We are born free. And we will die free. The time in between, though, that's complicated. In that time, governments, institutions, and our egos will limit our ability to find true freedom in this life. These are real stories of real people overcoming the odds, persevering in justice, and unlocking their potential. Welcome to Finding Freedom. Here's your host, John Oderman. Hey, welcome back to another episode of Finding Freedom right here on the Lions of Liberty podcast. Happy to have you here. Today's episode, trying something different. I mean, not that different. I'm I'm doing a solo show. I've done those many times before. But uh, I'm going to try to keep this shorter, going to attempt to keep it less than a half hour. So we'll see if I'm able to do that. I have some... uh, some topics, some news items that uh, that I want to dig into. Before I get to that, though, just wanted to uh, you know give you a little update on, on some things I've been uh, you know working through in my life with my health, trying trying some new things, and uh, you know some of them might be a little little bit surprising. But before I get to that, I just wanted to remind you all that, of course, you can listen to this show wherever you're listening to it now, be it the Lions of Liberty Network feed or on the Finding Freedom uh, podcast feed, which is my solo feed. And to find that on any podcasting app, uh, you can just search Finding Freedom and John Odermatt, and it'll definitely pop up. You can subscribe, you can give it a five-star rating, and you can leave a nice review. And if it's a really nice review, I will read it live on the air. So thank you for doing that. I appreciate it. And as always, you know, we appreciate here at Lions of Liberty, we appreciate everyone who listens and especially our patrons, uh, many who have been with us for, God, years and years. I mean, we have uh, at our 25 and up patron level, we have a uh, monthly call uh, where, you know, People can come on, and we, we do it on Zoom and uh, ask questions. We'll give you updates on what's going on with the Lions of Liberty. And there is some big news forthcoming <clears throat> Excuse me, about the Lions of Liberty. And our, our patrons, of course, those who are subscribed at that level, at our Mufasa level, were able to hear that first. And, I mean... Uh, some of these, some of these guys who are on this call. I mean, it's you know through COVID, through all this stuff. I mean, we've 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 talked about everything as we've as we navigate life, as we navigate podcasting, and it's just really cool to have that that input, you know, with with uh, with people who you know enjoy the the work that uh, that we're putting in. So so we do appreciate it. We appreciate all of you out there uh, backing us up. So to get to what I was going to talk about first. You call it new hobbies? I, I don't know. I mean, I don't really call it a hobby, but um, it's it's no secret that I've gotten recently. I've really gotten into um, being healthy and uh, eating healthy food, avoiding things like seed oils and uh, artificial sweeteners. I did that episode on sucralose uh, not too long ago, and how terrible that is for you. Go back in my feed, listen to that. It's been a very very popular episode. Share it with your friends and family who are probably consuming a lot of sucralose. Even if they think they're healthy, it's probably in a lot of their health food. Sucralose, also known as Splenda. It's bad for you, and uh, yeah, you, you got to stop consuming it. But anyway, so I'm into all this stuff, and I've also been trying to 
buy more local and support local farms. Um, probably going to be, you know, getting into a, uh, a, a co-op <laughs> situation, I guess, or that sounds like such, such a hippie saying co-op, but um, going to be joining, you know, it's basically it's supporting a, a local, local farming uh, family. And uh, they're about 20 minutes away. And, um, what you're able to do is you, you join, you pay, you know, a certain amount for, for a year and you get access to a certain amount of chicken, certain amount of eggs. Then you get discounted pricing on, you know, buying, uh, you know, the beef, regenerative beef and they have milk fed pigs, which is, uh, which is interesting. But anyway, I'm going off on a, <clears throat> on a tangent here. What I want to talk about is what I've tried recently. And let me know if you've tried this. If you've tried this, please reach out to me on Twitter at John Odermatt, on Instagram, at John Odermatt, or send me an email, john at lionsofliberty.com. Um, if you've tried putting raw egg yolks from you know, free-range chickens, free-range um, pasture-raised chickens, chickens that are consuming their species-appropriate diet, not ones fed you know, soy and, and crap like that, but ones that are raised the right way as God intended them to be raised, have you tried putting a yolk or two in your coffee, frothing that, whisking that coffee up so it gets a nice, nice foam on top. Maybe adding, I have been added a couple days, so I'll add a little bit of honey to it, froth that in. Um, it is delicious, man. It is, it is so good. It's like a latte. You don't taste the egg. The egg kind of thickens it up, but it is, it's fantastic. And I honestly, I don't know what's wrong with me, but I can't stop telling everybody that I, that I talked to about it because it's, I don't know, it's, it's kind of blowing my mind. I know, I mean, I remember hearing about this years ago. Um, what's the primal, I forget the, the guy who wrote the book on primal living. Anyway, um, he, he was into it back then, back when the, the bulletproof coffee, the, uh, you know, the butter um, and MCT oil, coconut oil in, in the coffee was the big thing. He had the, did the egg yolks in the, in the coffee, um, and I thought at the time that's crazy, but I'll tell you what, it's, it's freaking good. You get some protein and, uh, it works out perfectly because my wife only eats the egg whites. I just take the yolks to go in my coffee. And then of course I'll follow it up with a, uh, with an omelet and some, uh, some avocados. So getting plenty of a uh, protein and good fats, but let me know if you think I'm crazy or if you've tried this or if you're willing to try it. And it's gotta be high quality eggs, either eggs that you, got from your own chickens or eggs that you got from a uh, a farmer's market, you know, pasture raised raised chickens. It's it's got to be good stuff. You don't want the factory farmed bleached white shell chicken eggs. God knows what those chickens um have been consuming. Anyway, just want to put that out there. So a couple of topics I wanted to talk about today. I want to talk about Liz Cheney and I'm not going to spend too much time on Liz Cheney as I pour myself a uh a little bit of uh, water here. Well, it's sparkling water. A little watermelon, sparkling water. Um, talk about Liz Cheney. And I've been surprised what some, some libertarians have been saying about sort of how the result played out here, her, her getting crushed. I'll get to that in a minute. I want to talk about Ukraine and some uh, controversial tactics they've been using in their, uh, you know, in their defensive war against Russia that has Amnesty International up in arms. And I'm going to talk about the Chinese real estate market, uh, what's happening there, 
and why we should be terrified by it. Um, not because we should be terrified about China coming over here and attacking us, or even China attacking Taiwan. Um, it's more so China imploding, and uh, yeah, that would not be good for anybody, especially here in the United States of America, where I believe 20% of really what we use on a day-to-day basis comes from China. So that would be bad. Um, starting with Liz Cheney. So Liz Cheney, she got crushed in her re-election bid um, primary in Wyoming. And uh, like I, she was under 30%, I think. She lost by almost 40%, which is just amazing. And of course, she comes out and compares herself to um, Abraham Lincoln losing his congressional race and Senate race before going on to become president. Then I saw an interview with her today on one of the cable shows, and uh, she did not rule out running for president. And I've seen some people, especially libertarians, um, and who I mean, I don't care, libertarians or conservatives or you know people who who lean that way, um, r- r- however you want to categorize it. I, I probably should stop putting that label as libertarian on on people. I'm, I'm not sure if it's libertarian, but um, what I saw was people saying, well, you know what? People are up in arms with her because of how she treated Donald Trump with January 6th and, and, and all of this stuff and saying he's wasn't presidential and he, you know, was, uh, it was just a shame. It was, it, it was, it was uh, unethical that, that he was ever, his unethical, he, he, did not have ethical behavior uh, fitting to the office of the president of the United States. Stuff like this. And people are saying, well, you know, people gave her a hard time and destroyed her politically for that. The the mega crowd did. And they're saying, but she should have been destroyed for, you know, being pro-war, pro-torture, basically for having the last name Cheney and, uh, you know, supporting everything her father did, which ruined God knows how many thousands of lives killed hundreds of thousands of people probably with the uh, Iraq war, Afghanistan war, and just have totally changed the course of history. Uh, the, the Cheney last name in the most negative way, really that, that, that you can impact history by uh, death and destruction um, through, uh, you know, foreign intervention. So my response to that would be, yeah, of course you'd love to see, Everybody jump on board the left and the right and say, Liz Cheney, you're a you know mass murderer. You come from a family of mass murderers. You support torture. Get out of here. But that was never going to happen. Like the chance of that happening was non-existent because the people on the left who would have had to you know jump on board to do that too, and the people on the right, a lot of these Trumpers, they just were never going to agree on that. To uh, you know to go after Liz Cheney for the horrible things she's done and supported and her family name and all this stuff. This is never going to happen. Next best thing is she's still out, but it's for a different reason. And, you know, it's it's not for... It's it's for a good reason that, that she's getting destroyed. I mean, January 6th is a joke that they're still somehow um, keeping this uh, January 6th narrative uh, resuscitated, uh, you know, after it's been dead on the floor 50 times, they keep bringing it back to life. And it's just a joke. I mean, it's a freaking, it's a bunch of people walking through the, the Capitol building and uh, they were let in by security. And this is, I mean, this has all been talked about. Um, it's been, it's been talked about to, to death. So I don't care 
what happened or what led to her getting out. I mean, she's done so much terrible stuff. As long as she's out, it makes me smile. And it's is it a big deal? Does Liz Cheney being you know elected to office in Wyoming um, does that is that a big deal to me? Does it affect my life? No. But does it make me happy that she's no longer um, that she that she's no longer going to be you know representing Wyoming? Yes, it makes me happy. Is she going to run for president? She probably will. Um, will she do horribly and embarrass herself? I would lean to highly probably yes. I, I cannot see any scenario where she would gain any sort of support from any segment of the population that would give her any sort of path to the to a nomination of first of all no path there and certainly no path to winning president of the United States that's just absurd to think that's even possible but that's what i have to say about Liz Cheney um she can i don't know she can go to CNN and be the fake right-wing person there anyway on to ukraine so I've talked about Ukraine a couple times on this show. A few months ago, I did a, sh- a solo show talking about corruption in Ukraine. And uh, really, it's it's no secret. I mean, Ukraine is the, the most corrupt country in in that area. One of the most corrupt countries in that area. Um, it's it's a openly known fact that, you know, there's, of course, Hunter Biden's made famous by his his exploits there by working on the Burisma board and um, just getting loads and loads of money for the uh, for the Biden family. But it's not just Biden who's done this. It's Mitt Romney's family. It's Pelosi's family. It's it's families of all kinds of uh, of U.S. politicians have profited off corruption in Ukraine. Now, that's not to say that I agree with Russia in any way, or that I agree with war, the war that's going on, I should say the proxy war that's going on right now, where the U.S. is fighting Russia using Ukraine as a proxy. That is that is what is happening. There's been like $50 billion, probably more than that, that's been pumped over and you know, weapons sent over to, uh, to the uh, Ukrainian... Uh, militaries over there to uh, to to support their their defensive mission. I mean, they are defending their territory there, um, but they aren't doing it in um, the tactics they're using. Really, run against and violate international humanitarian law, and this has been pointed out by Amnesty International. And I'm just gonna. Go through this article here. Um, this is published, published in Modern Diplomacy, and it's titled Ukraine Amnesty International Revealed the Unpleasant Truth. So, Ukrainian forces have threatened civilians by setting up bases and operating weapons systems in populated areas, including schools and hospitals, as they battled the Russian intervention. That began in February This is what Amnesty International said in a statement. They went on, such a tactic violates international humanitarian law and endangers civilians. As it turns out, civilian, as it turns civilian objects into military targets, 
The Russian strikes that followed in populated areas killed civilians and destroyed civilian infrastructures. And you might be thinking to yourself, like, how does Amnesty International know anything about what's going on um, in Ukraine? Um, where are they getting this information from? Well, they've actually gone and they've investigated um, a lot of these really terrible bombings that have happened where schools and hospitals have been hit by Russian forces. And it turns out that they were bombed there because the Ukrainian um, you know, military was set up. Ukrainian forces were set up purposely in those areas using the Ukrainian people as human shields. So um, Amnesty International, they've documented a pattern of Ukrainian forces putting civilians at risk and violating laws of war when conducting operations in these populated areas. And the uh, Amnesty's researchers spent several weeks from April to July investigating Russian attacks um, in several different um, regions, Donbass being, being one of them. What did they do? They inspected the attack sites. They interviewed survivors, eyewitnesses, relatives of victims of the attack, and carried out remote detection and analysis of weapons. During those investigations, evidence was found that Ukrainian forces were firing from heavily populated areas and were themselves inside civilian buildings in 19 towns and villages in these regions. The organization analyzed satellite images to further confirm some of these infinite. Uh, some of these incidents. So a couple things here. Um, like I said, this is a proxy war that's happening. The only way that this war is still happening right now is because the U.S. government, Joe Biden, the Biden administration, and the, the Democrats, with the support of most of the Republican Party. So this has been one of the only bipartisan things um, really that's happened recently, is sending billions and billions of dollars to Ukraine uh, to fight this proxy war. So the reason that this is happening, the reason that Ukraine hasn't had to surrender and uh, a ceasefire hasn't occurred and, and there hasn't been some sort of uh, you know, agreement that happened, some sort of peace treaty where no doubt you, Ukraine would have ceded land um, to Russia, but the fighting would be over and civilians would not be dying. And these tactics would not be being used. The reason this is happening is rooted in the U.S. paying for this proxy war. Um, and that's just that's just the facts. Uh, of course, somebody would respond to that and say the reason it's happening is because Russia invaded. And I would, I mean, you could go, how far do you want to go back? Do you want to go back to the Ukrainians uh, bombing Russian, Russian-speaking people in, in the Donbass region and uh, discriminating against them? I mean, there's all kinds of angles to this and things that happen in this very, very complicated situation. And I'm not saying anybody's right. I'm not saying there's a lot of people wrong, I think is the easiest way to put it. A lot of people wrong. And that's the case with war most of the time, is powerful people using civilians, using um, young people, young men mostly, as pawns. Um, to play out uh, this stuff in real life and kill thousands and thousands of people and destroy um, basically an entire country. So it's it's extremely sad. And I, I mean, I really want to stress that I do not support anything about war. I don't want war to happen. So you have to ask yourself, 
how could this be de-escalated? How could have this been prevented in the first place? How much of the reason why this war is happening right now lays at the feet of the U.S. government? Um, so I would just, I mean, look into it for yourself. Don't take my word for it. Look into it for yourself. Don't believe the media. And uh, I think you'll come to a conclusion very similar to mine. All right, I will link to this article on the show notes page. I'm not going to not going to read the whole thing because I'm keeping this show below 30 minutes. Let me get a drink of water. All right, let's jump over and let's talk about real estate. Let's talk about Chinese real estate. Let me first say, I love real estate. Um, as I've talked about before on this show, one of the things I do in my in my free time. And, and not as much as I, as I used to. I really do want to get, get back into it, especially in this climate, I think is a good time. Um, so I buy and sell vacant land. And I, a lot of it, I've done it in California, Arizona. 98% of it, I've done it there, a little bit in Georgia. Um, and I want to get the heck out of there. And I would like to come back closer to, uh, to the Northeast and and even down into the, into the southeast, and start start buying more land and uh, and selling more land there. But I love the process of scouting out real estate, even going through and you know um, doing due diligence on the deed and just figuring everything out, um, finding pictures, going on Google Earth, and uh, you know figuring out the terrain. I love everything about it. I love everything about real estate. Um, even recently in the Western PA area, I've, I don't know if I'm going to, you know, if we're going to move anytime soon, but start, started looking at potentially moving out into the country, getting a, you know, a nice piece of property with, with, uh, with some acreage so I can have some chickens so I can, when I want to get, put egg yolks in my coffee, I can just walk outside, get an egg, crack it right in my coffee. It'll be, it'll be amazing. That's, that's, that's my dream. But anyway, so I love real estate, but who loves real estate more than me? Maybe the Chinese people. And like I was talking about at the top, so this is a concern to you because if the Chinese market, Chinese government, um, if it implodes and, uh, and things just go to shit over there, that's going to have a large impact on us here in the United States. And I would say probably that would be what would trigger maybe this uh, just enormous collapse that is ev- eventually going to happen. Um, I was thinking for a little while, maybe they, they kicked this down the road for a couple more years. Um, but I, 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 just, I, I just don't know. I think with what's going on in China, what I'm going to talk about really, uh, really r- puts this into question. So what, what I found just on Twitter today um, a guy by the name of Gran, I can't talk, Graham Stefan. Um, he's a real estate guy in the U.S. And he put together this Twitter thread and he put together a Substack. I'll link to both on the show notes page, really talking about what is happening with the real estate market in China. And so the Chinese are obsessed with real estate. 70% of China's wealth is tied to real estate. That is crazy. That is double what is tied to uh, wealth in the U.S. And in the U.S., we love real estate. So there's now reports emerging of all kinds of um, really crony and corrupt schemes going on over there, uh, Ponzi schemes. And now, um, due to 
all of this corruption and just unethical behavior with the banking system, uh, there's a lot of mortgage boycotts happening all all throughout China. And let's kind of go back and talk about some of some of the reasons that led up to this. Like I mean, like I said, the Chinese love real estate; they prefer it over the Chinese stock market because it's kind of I don't know. I, I don't know enough about the really the backstory here, but they don't trust the Chinese stock market, which makes sense. But why would they trust Chinese real estate? I don't know, especially when I when I tell you a couple stats here. So, um, but one thing to know about the Chinese stock market is even um, so, the Shanghai Composite, which is like our S and P five hundred, they have still not returned to their two thousand and eight peak, despite China's GDP growing by nearly three times since then. So, where has that money gone? It hasn't gone into their stock market. It's gone into their real estate. So they have the mother of all real estate bubbles going on over there. How big is the Chinese real estate bubble? So for some context, the median home price in New York is about 10 times the medium, median annual income. 10 times of median annual income. That's ridiculous. That's in New York. That's insane. That's crazy. In Beijing, it can be as high as 25 times the median annual income. More than double. New York City, the most, I would say, would you say New York, San Francisco, LA, Chicago? I mean, these are the most inflated areas in our country. And in China, they are double, more than double that. Um, so this is, the, this is the mother of, of all real estate bubbles that they have going on in China. So despite this, despite this absurd price. This is why Chinese love their real estate. That this they still the supply of housing still can't satisfy the demand. Um, just they just keep buying up and, and buying up uh, housing. So what they they have like lottery systems that they'll go into where it might only be like a one in sixty chance to even get housing from one of these lottery systems. And what this demand has led to, of course, when you have a just a a manipulated market like they have in China, like we have in the U.S., it leads to corruption. It leads to people taking advantage of distorted demand. And so what this has led to is Ponzi schemes. So these developers come in and they sell all of these units, sell all of these condos, sell all of these homes. And then before they even start to build, they take the money from that, and they go and they start the next project. And that just keeps going on and keeps going on. So that's can happen to a certain extent, but like any Ponzi scheme out there, there's always going to be a day when it stops working. As the number of unfinished properties balloons and faith in real estate plummets and property developers struggle to raise funds to move forward and the construction stops. This is what led to um, Evergrande, the Evergrande Group, collapsing. About $300 billion in debt that defaulted um, from offshore bonds. Um, this is, this is uh, really caused buyers to lose trust in the banks. So as the crisis spread to the banks, as the banks had loaned out depositors money to developers who were now defaulting on payments, um, these frozen deposits mounted. 
and the, you know protests erupted all over China. And as they've as this has been sort of peeled back, as the onions peeled back, um, it's really just started to reveal just this totally corrupt, um, just systematic wide problem where nothing is real. So, like, just I mean, for an example, during the COVID crisis, the government had lowered their um, you know fractional reserves. There's only a certain amount of reserves they need to keep in order to to to, to loan out against it. So they lowered that to only 10% uh, that the banks had to keep on hand. And then when they started to like look into that, is there even the 10% there? That wasn't even there. And criminal gangs had overtaken the banks and were moving money offshore. It's, it's just, it, it makes our system look like tame and normal. And our system is totally, totally screwed. And it's definitely going to have a, a uh, magnificent, incredible, horrible um, outcome eventually. I'm just not sure when it's going to happen. China's is, is going to, to, to make our crash look like, look like nothing. And honestly, their crash is, might, be the, uh, might be the match that, that lights the fire that sets the, uh, this, whole, this whole world of manipulation and, and bad money just, uh, just burning to the ground. So what has the government done? Um, there's reports suggesting that over 400,000 customers have, have fallen victim uh, to, to these activities. So it's probably much higher than that, actually, I, I would assume, you know, based on the kind of reporting that we get out of China. Um, so obviously, there's you know, not a lot of trust in the banking system. I, I saw on Twitter a couple weeks ago, you know, they had tanks in front of uh, – you know, some of the banks to, to stop there from being a, a run of the banks for people to get their funds out. The government has stepped in and they've said, you know, we're going to pay, you know, a certain amount of money for these lost deposits. Probably not the actual amount of the lost deposits, but they've said that they're not going to get involved, though, if there's been non-compliant transactions. And we all know how that works in the U.S. I'm sure it's even worse in China, or at least as bad, um, when you have these uh, flexible phrases and words like non-compliant transactions. What does that even mean? That probably means any sort of uh, criminal transaction, especially when you have criminal gangs coming in and there's tra- transactions inside and outside the bank and with different banks. It probably invalidates all of it. So people most likely aren't getting anything back. Um, the only people who are probably getting anything back who are those who are connected um, to the government. So the, what the government has done in response to this, the Chinese government, is they're essentially stepping in. And when these developments that don't have funding in order to continue, these Ponzi schemes that have gone belly up, they're just continuing to fund it. Nothing to see here. Let's just keep building. Keep building. Let's keep it going. Let's keep it going. Um so it's it's only a matter of time until everything comes crashing down. And when it does come crashing down, it's going to be incredibly ugly. As I talked about at the top here, I mean, 20% of what we use on a day-to-day basis, and I'm talking, you know, very vital things. I mean, microchips. Um, we've seen we've seen what happened during COVID when, when China shut down entire cities for for months and locked everyone down. We've seen the supply chain issues and we've seen our, our government minimize supply chain issues about, oh, you have to wait a couple of months on your treadmill. Boo hoo. Well, you know, I mean, when China implodes and when basically 
all of the major um, technology that we get at a very inexpensive price from cheap Chinese labor, when that just turns off and goes away and we have no infrastructure to do it ourselves and there's no other country that really is set up with the infrastructure to be able to pump out that much stuff for that low of a cost, we're in trouble. We're, we're in very big trouble. And I don't know how we navigate that. And it's not a matter of if this is going to happen. It's a matter of when. Yeah, maybe they inflate this. Maybe the Chinese government can can patch things up, keep printing money, just totally um, you know, step on their own people and devalue the currency to the point where the, the poor have absolutely nothing at all. Um, maybe they can patch it over. But the thing with China, patch over temporarily. I mean, it's, not, it's never going to be a... It's never going to work. Uh, but the thing with China and the thing that a lot of people get wrong, and I, I've heard Tim Poole you know, sort of stoke the, stoke the fires of this China fear that they're going to invade us. I have no fear of China invading the United States. Sure, there are a lot of Chinese investments in the United States. That's another thing. That would be another huge issue. Those investments, a lot of – there's a lot of companies – that are owned U- U.S. companies that, that have been sold to the Chinese. What happens when when the when those funds dry up? Well, prices come down. Um, companies crash. A lot of change. A lot of bad things, but a lot of opportunities. Um, with uh, with recessions, with depressions, with crashes, with uh, liquidation of debt. A lot of pain, but a. Uh, a lot of opportunity and a lot of opportunity for progress. So um, I totally lost. I was going to go on a tangent, then I got distracted, and I don't know what the original tangent was. And we're past 30 minutes, so I don't unless it comes to me in the next minute here, I'm probably not going to go back and uh, and finish off. Oh, I remembered. I remembered the tangent. I, I think I already talked about it, so I just wanted to highlight it again. The Chinese aren't going to come over here. Sure, there might be impacts over here, as I've talked about, from a Chinese crash. But I'm more feel I'm more fearful, or I feel bad for the Chinese people because throughout history, whenever there's been um, turbulent times in China, China has turned their the Chinese officials, the Chinese authorities have turned their um, power, have turned their anger, their force inward on the Chinese people. So I feel for the Chinese people in the times um, that are coming, it's going to be extremely, extremely ugly. And we've seen, you know, the, the terrible things, the unethical and, you know, behavior of, of the Chinese government towards certain groups in the past. And it's, it's not going to be, not going to be pretty to see what happens. So all right, now that I've given everyone a downer, um, I'll, I'll leave you on an uplifted note here. I mean, because I am, yeah, I want to say white-pilled, red-pilled. I don't know I am. I know that there's pain coming. I know there's going to be struggles. And I know that you're going to need some faith in order to get through it. So um, I would encourage you to get in touch with that faith. And uh, yeah, I, I would encourage you to keep a positive attitude and to... At this time, now, before things get crazy, and will they get crazy in six months or six years? I don't know. Protect yourself now. Diversify your income now. Um, buy some land now. Get out of cities now. Get some chickens now. Start putting 
egg yolks in your coffee. Now, you can start doing all of that. And you can join the Lions of Liberty Pride right now by going to patreon.com slash lionsofliberty or lionsofliberty.locals.com. And you might say, John, I, I, I do want to join the Pride, but you just told me about all these terrible economic times that are coming. And I would say, friend, listener, um, audience member, um, I'm sure very smart, erudite individual. I would say this. I would say you want to get around similar-minded people. You want to come in community with similar-minded people. You need to um, get into the Lions of Liberty pride. You need to build relationships with, with people where you have this, uh, this common bond of understanding what's happening. And that's one thing that we are going to start stressing more here at Lions of Liberty is that community that we're building and the importance of it and looking for ways to use that, com- that community, um, those relationships to, uh, you know, leverage each other's skills and to, uh, and to grow together and, and protect each other. So that's a small part of the future of Lions of Liberty. And you'll hear the rest, I don't know when, someday. But with that being said, I am going to leave it at that. Hopefully everyone has a great weekend. The summer winds down as your kids, if you have kids, as they go back to school. If you don't have kids, I guess nothing changes. I guess it just gets colder if you're in a colder climate. Or maybe if you live in Florida, really nothing changes. And just another another week, another month. And you have, if you don't have kids. I don't know. I forget how it goes not having a kid. But thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in. And as always, I appreciate the support. Go and subscribe to the Finding Freedom solo feed. Just search Finding Freedom and John Odermatt and subscribe to a five-star rating and a review. And as always, remember to keep your head up and the fire's liberty burning.